As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week, we cover the third week of Summer Showdown qualifiers, the new PTR patch, and a big issue in the gaming community. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's gameplay section of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. It's the last week, or it was the last week, of the uh, qualifiers for the Summer Showdown, the second uh, tournament that the Overwatch League has been having this year. Um, Looks like there's going to be just enough room for one more tournament, maybe at the end of this season. Um, So we'll we'll get into that later in the future. I'm getting ahead of myself. But so how have you been, Kevin? How has your gaming stuff been this week? Oh, it's been pretty good. Um, if you guys are playing Pokemon Shield and Sword, the expansion event for uh, Zero Aura is finally over, and uh, I'm really glad that I'm going to be able to actually see something else other than el- that Electric Legendary that slaps me in two turns. Um, <laughs> so really excited about that, re- ready to play the game again. And uh, yeah, that, that you know, I casted Valorant this weekend. Um I got another gig coming up later too. I, I just got a little bit of a DM about that. Um, so excited, looking forward to that. Um, and always, you know, some good Overwatch action. How about you, Matt? I just finished doing uh, The Last of Us 2 last night. I did like the gameplay because I, I do like stealth games a lot. Um, it was fine. Um pretty much the same as the first one i liked it like this the ending of the story was kind of stupid i can i definitely agree with the grievances on that but i honestly don't think it's game breaking like not all stories are gonna go the way you want them to stupid stuff happens in real life all the time just kind of get over it so if you like the first one and you can overlook uh a meh story ending then go for it play the game uh if you didn't like the first one 
maybe skip it. Wait for Ghost of Tsushima, which is coming out in, I think, what, two weeks-ish? Two weeks Yeah, the yeah. last exclusive game for this generation of PlayStation. So uh, I'm ready for that. Very excited. I watched some gameplay. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully, I'll be able to finish it, unlike Sekiro, which I still haven't beaten. I absolutely suck at it. Also, uh, so I ordered the Arisa book from Overwatch. I, I ordered that from Scholastic, like, the weekend it came out. And you know how UPS is supposed to be a package delivery service? They decided yeah. that they didn't want to be a package delivery service anymore, so they just they had the package. They gave it to the Postal Service, the United States Postal Service. So... I guess they're like a middleman now. I, I don't see what the point of that was. So they handed it off to the USPS, what was it, three days ago? So I'm hoping that um, the reason why I haven't gotten it yet after three days is that they're doing some kind of like quarantine system where they'll get a package, hold it for a couple of days to make sure the virus dies off, then deliver it. Because if not, my package is lost and I'm pissed. Yeah, uh, I know that like sometimes FedEx or UPS will hand off the uh, the the package to local. What is it? Local mail postal services. But uh, yeah, I, I, we we know that you have a uh, a truck that can drive out here. So uh, please, I just, don't get that. Like, just, just, uh, why are you? You have the package already. Why do you got to be a middleman? Just deliver me my package. Yeah, just like, uh, you know, throw it over there. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so getting into the actual matches this weekend, this was the last week of the qualifiers, and this was the first week we've seen for this tournament where we didn't have the hero pool. So um, Diva, Brigitte, uh who else was it? It was Diva Brigida Echo and was it Sombra who were taken out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now so. they're they're back in. Uh, we didn't see too much of Sombra. We saw a little bit of Echo. Um, lots of Brig. I don't remember see, from what I saw, there wasn't any Diva. Um Yeah, not a lot. But yeah, so um day one, we had the Hunters versus the Charge. Uh Charge won that three to one. Dynasty versus the Dragons. The Dragons took that three to one. Spark versus Spitfire was an 0-3 in favor of the Spitfire. Mayhem v. Outlaws was a very, very close 3-2 uh, in favor of the Mayhem. Fuel vs. Defiant was a 3-0. The Titans vs. the Uprising was a 3-0. The Justice vs. the Gladiators was a 1-3. Um, and that was it for day one. Um, I watched Dynasty v. Dragons and Mayhem v. Outlaws for this day. So Dynasty vs. the Dragons, this was the... May Melee Asia Finals rematch. Um, if you'll remember from the May Melee, the Dynasty were 3-0 and and then got swept four straight matches by the Dragons in the May Melee. So um, that, was, that was huge. Like, it, it proved that the Dragons were the better team, but also that the Dynasties do have that fighting spark in them. They are capable of greatness. It's just, as I said before, it's kind of a coin flip. Will they be good today? Will they not? Um, this was I was expecting a little bit, a little bit more from the dynasty here. I wanted to see them, uh, I wanted to see them do well. It's, eh, they didn't 
they didn't do the greatest here. They they had a bit of a I'm trying to think how to phrase this. They had a, an okay showing, but they still weren't enough to match up with what the dragons were dishing out. Um, they have moments where the dragons are good at that slow, long push, but the dragons in general are just the technically better team. They're the stronger team. The, di- the dynasty are inconsistent is, I think, the biggest issue. Whereas, like, you'll get some good picks off on the dragons when they're playing, but, like, that's just playing the game in general. No no team is really going to be 100% all the time. They're going to lose fights. Um, the problem is, is that even when that happens, even when the dragons do lose the fight, the dynasty aren't able to capitalize on their momentum. They're, they're showing that we're willing to put up the fight, but we don't know how to finish it. Um, I think both sides, in this match at least, the attacks were definitely stronger than the defenses. And... I'm just wondering, was what's the difference between the the May Melee Dynasty and the the Now Dynasty? What what happened? Uh, the May Melee Dynasty didn't allow uh, one man to fall off a cliff. Uh, I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna mention who, but I'm pretty sure if you're on Twitter, you know who. Uh, <laughs> there's a yeah, just. I, I feel like when they were playing in the main melee, they were a little bit more like backs against the wall, kind of like underdogs. But like now that people kind of know their strength, they're starting to ease off the pedal a little bit. And I don't, I don't like that, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like they just need to, to do something that's, that's quite insane, you know? Yeah. I, I'm wondering if it was just like that, the money that motivated them in the may melee because like as long as you make it in you got a shot so like is that having anything to do with that like as long as you win some of your qualifiers you're in and then you can turn up the heat i i don't actually think that's it but could be yeah i could definitely see that if you wanted to increase the Increase the motivation in a way. Give them something that they're, they're ready to fight for. Okay, so Mayhem v. Outlaws. Now, this was a this was a very close one. Like, it was 3-2, but it was... I'll get into it later. But so this was a... Both teams had a win-one-loss one record, and this was a big match for them because it, it determined whether they would be able to really jump up to the seedings with that two... Uh, that two win record um mayhem had a, a zero map differential and the outlaws had a negative one differential um so going into this mayhem were at the fifth seed and the outlaws were the ninth by winning this two to uh, three to two the mayhem jumped up to that fourth spot and the outlaws dropped down to the 10th spot um in the beginning of this match, Don, uh, mayhem's strategy according to yaki was just to negate everything that dante could do because Dante, I think, Dante and Lynx are, are the secret sauce right now for the Overwatch. With a lot of these teams, it is their DPS, I think, that's the strongest. Um, but as we saw last week, like Dante really is the key to winning a lot of these fights because he's he's very flexible as that Tracer. Like, Not only is he able to harass and, and get the cleanup kills, but he's able to win, what is it, 5v1 fights all by himself? So that was... That was their key. 
Um, and I think in essence it worked. Like in this first map of Oasis, like Dante really didn't have any impact. That double shield from the mayhem was really good, and Yaki was just doing a very good job, even on his Genji, which is not a a fight that you typically see the Genji winning, but. And like Genji B Tracer, he was still keeping uh, Dante at bay. Dante had a lot of uh, recalls that he was forced to use before he would have liked to. Um, I think that what won the mayhem this for Oasis was um, Gargoyle is just a significantly stronger Sigma than Mecho. Um, they were able to pump out a lot of damage with their their picks, like the the Ash, the Genji, and the um, the Junkrat were just pumping in so much more damage that the Outlaws, I guess, weren't prepared for. Um, now looking at Volskaya, Volskaya was a, Volskaya was a beast of a, a map because it went to like round three. So the mayhem attack was the outlaws attacked and the outlaws finished with a significantly better time. The mayhem finished with one minute and 10 seconds. The outlaws finished it with five minutes and five seconds. And that was mainly just because they were able to bully the mayhem into that small room in the beginning of, of point one, took them out, and then just alt dump onto point two. So that won them that really quickly. But then the mayhem went and then they they managed to cap it with one minutes and ten seconds, even all the way to point two. And then the outlaws they they finished it with twenty seconds. So the mayhem were able to drain four minutes and four minutes plus on the outlaws on point two and then on point three it's just or not point three on round three um yeah they were able to get to point two somehow they got point one and 32 seconds with two seconds left 32 seconds were able to make it to point two and got 42 percent of that cap and then the outlaws had a minute and 30 seconds and then just florida really destroyed them um they just the outlaws had the advantage here. It's just the execution was really poor. Um, Gargoyle was not allowing uh, Mecco to really do anything. And then Yaki was just insane here with that Genji play. Um, he sets a record for 26 final blows on Volskaya. Like even without the Nanoblade, Yaki is proving that you can still do amazing on Genji. And then... Yeah. It, it just yeah. had just a little bit of a buff recently, and now people are picking up on it. Um, you know, just that slight extra damage on the uh, on the shurikens. And then, in my personal opinion, like, I believe, like, my coach taught it to me, like, in the best theory itself. Um, you pop Nanoblade, but you nano someone else, right? Um, in, that, in that moment, your opponent has one of two options. Either take care of the Genji, who is uh, ulting your entire backline, or... Uh, have to deal with either the charging Reinhardt or the uh, potential Winston that is in there, who's also nanoed, dealing a ton of damage to your team. Um, it, it's just called. It's a really good way to split focus and just make sure that you know you really clean up yeah. or uh, allow you know your DPS to really shine. I remember we were talking about this when that buff came in. Like we weren't sure whether or not it would be enough to really uh, to really put Genji in the rotation again. It's there. It's, it's there. I mean, he, he's Genji's doing a, a monster on the Outlaws in this map. Um, the next two rounds, the Outlaws did win, although it was like the Outlaws did have significantly better play. Dante was able to actually have a huge, huge impact on on Junkertown. 
But what what won them for that wasn't Dante or Lynx's play, even though it was good. It was that the um, the mayhem C nine twice. <laughs> they C nine on Nepal, and no, they C they C nine on Junkertown, and they C nine on Blizzard World. So that was a huge advantage for the Outlaws, and they were able to to win it. But then Nepal happens, and the mayhem just utterly stomped the Outlaws. So uh, in the end, the Houston outlaws are definitely getting better but with the way that the mayhem are playing with they had the better team they had um gargoyle was doing laps around mecco uh bqb and yaki are insane on their own um it's just proving that the mayhem are now definitely a force to be reckoned with okay now day two um so dragons versus the spark was a 3-0 in favor of the dragons the Hunters versus the Dynasty was a 3-0 in favor of the Dynasty. Thank you. <laughs> Good job, Dynasty. <laughs> um, the NYXL versus the Charge was a 2-3. Valiant versus Eternal was a 1-3 in favor of the Eternal. Um, Rain v. Titans was a 3-0 in favor of the Rain. Fusion versus Shock was 0-3 in favor of the Shock. And the Justice versus the Uprising was a 3-1. So what did you see on day two, Kevin? I was able to cover. I watched a little bit of the NYXL versus the Charge. Um, I have a couple of good talking points there, and then I watched the Fusion versus the Shock because that was a that was another one that really determined who took home the top spot. Okay, so I was really I I didn't get to watch the NYXL versus the Charge, but that was one that I would have liked to see. So, what did you get from that one? Because I I was pulling for the NYXL, but we know that they're mm-hmm. they're not exactly the best finishers. Yeah, the NYXL actually experimented with kind of a with a few different scenarios. I I'm, that is just the best way how I could describe it. Um, NYXL wasn't put. They have Hawksall. They have Hawksall. Uh, they didn't put him on DPS. Uh, they they put him on the brig for their, a couple couple matches, and I was like, I mean, you have the rookie of the year here like give the boy a shot uh they put in nene and libero but like maybe it was something that's like more meshed with the way how nyxl wants to play it but at the same time like i understand if they want to have hawksall's like extra damage be played on the brig but like it's at the same time like i feel like it was kind of a weird use of resources and players in that fact um another big factor for the charge by the way was krong on his uh on a Sigma, just so many really good lifts and rock stops. Um, it really changed the way how the NYXL was able to push, especially when playing uh, a tracer. The second that tracer gets hit by that rock, she's dead. Like it's, mm. it's over at that point. So um, they just use that to the best of their advantage. Instead of like, if the brig didn't land the stun, there was a rock immediately afterwards. So um, just making, you know, any Tracer player who was coming after their back line, um, whether it was uh, Libero or Sabiolbe, just shutting them down as quickly as they can. Um, and that was literally, like, one of the factors that put them, put them ahead. It's just um, being able to respond as well as they could, and the charge really did that. So I saw the Valiant versus the Eternal, which was a rematch from the Valiant's win last week. Um this one was a one in three, uh, but this was another one of those matches that like the Genji was really, really big. Sparkle on Genji was 
it's, it's just a monster. This one was a, more of a nano blade. Um, when I be- was this one nano blade or is it just blade? No, they just did blade. They didn't do nano blade. They just used <laughs> sparkle for the blade. But this was a this was very interesting because I, I think I really enjoyed watching. This was probably my favorite match to watch this weekend, just because I do really like the Paris Eternal. I keep spouting off about how I think people should watch them more. Um, and out of the LA teams, I prefer the Valiant a little bit better. But just, I think for me, what it was was that um, it was it was a, a, a it was a play of kind of their um, their star players. Like Sparkle was like huge, huge, huge on that Genji this week. Um, it was Sparkle versus Shax and Xe versus KSP. Um, Paris was really relying on Sparkle to carry them throughout this. Um, they did well, but I, I don't think it was enough to to go against the Paris Eternal, who were, I guess, more of a rounded team at this point. Um, the question is, is is Sparkle going to be able to carry the LA Valiant through the actual tournament? Because that's what it seemed like the Valiant were hoping happened here, is that kind of like what we saw the day before with the Mayhem and uh, Yaki just absolutely carrying the mayhem to victory there is like Valiant currently is rated as the number three team in this, in this tournament, but is a Genji enough to carry them? Or do you think like teams will be able to counter that effectively? I I do think teams are going to figure that out as quickly as, you know, teams were able to realize how well Genji plays. Um, That's why we've seen a lot of the brig come out recently just for the, just for the stun, you might see a lot more teams play McCree now, um, just as reliable damage plus that, you know, the flashbang is just enough. Um, but yeah, when it comes to to this matchup, I feel like Sparkle um, just being able to hold down the fort for now is going to be is is a good showing. But at the same time, like you always have to, you always have to ask like how good is Sparkle going to be in order to carry the right. team? And like, how many massages do we own this? Do we owe this guy after carrying <laughs> our team? Uh, like literally we need to know how this is going to work out. Um, whether it's just like a good, a good play in general or, um, you know, one man only, he, he only holds so much power in this team. Right, and right. When you come against like a team like either the Shock or the Fusion or you know a team that's got a lot more coordination, um, they're gonna treat you the same way how you know NBA teams treat Steph Curry. Like they're just gonna put like eight people on you the entire game. Like they're not gonna let you play the game, and that is what I feel like a lot of teams are taking away from this tape. It's just like know where Sparkle is, take him out, sweep the team. Like that's that's gonna be the play. Every single time, and that's going to be their job. If you really want to like see where these teams really shined, I think watch Hanamura to see how amazing Sparkle was with that uh, Genji and how fast he really was building up his blade. Like for 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 my analysis notes that I wrote for myself on Hanamura, I just wrote Sparkle. That is all because that's literally all you have to pay attention to is how fast is Sparkle able to build up that blade and how effective he is at using it and, and timing out where he isn't surviving long enough to get those kills. And then Junkertown was uh, a clinic of Shaxx. Shaxx running wild on 
on that tracer. So that's those are the, I think the two key uh, matches to watch if you're watching this um, matchup. Um, so Rain versus the Titans. Now the Rain are playing a catch-up match here. They um, they didn't have enough games to qualify for the tournament yet, so this was their their last qualifier. Um, the Titans had already completed their uh, three that they needed to for the qualifiers for the tournament, so they technically can't be really hurt by losing this, but they are playing um, to get catch-up wins for the season. Um, the thing is that if, if the Rain did win here, the only way it could kind of hurt the Titans is if their the Rain standing goes up, um, which they did because the Rain won this 3-0. Um, in, in, I guess for this one in general, the, the Titans started strong, but as the Rain got used to how the Titans were playing, um, they were just really able to shut everything down. I think that for the Titans, that their, their composition choices are not the best. They were going stuff like Winston and Zenyatta that really weren't able to put out as much healing and, and shielding as they would really needed to going up against a team like the Rain. Um, again, I, I have nothing to complain about on Dalton and Shockwave. I think this week Dalton actually was more of a star than Shockwave was. But it, it, they they can't carry the team alone if their team isn't, I guess, picking the best heroes for... Um, for the matchup, like I, I do like seeing variety, but in the end, the teams are here to win, not just to put on a show. And if you're, you're going up against a team who's got a sturdier composition, then your best bet is probably to match that. Um, Edison got play of the game for just how really good he was on his tracer and his echo. Um, for the season, the Titans went four and eight, but, um, they're still two to one for the tournament, so they're they're still in a decent spot. I believe they're still easily in the top ten. Um, the rain do jump up to third place. Yeah, the rain go up to third place, and the Titans are in fourth place. Which that was something I, I never would have expected to see the Titans in in fourth place this this early after they were built. Yeah, it's just a nice little look at the team and how well they're. Uh... They're really adjusting to the league, and it it's really nice to see them really find a find a stride, and hopefully they perform really well in this uh, this upcoming tournament. One thing that I I did really appreciate that the casters said I forgot who was casting this match, but um, I, they said that seeing how how quickly the Titans roster was able to to adapt and actually start performing at a, a very a very uh, commendable level. Um, they said that we have to stop thinking of the Titans as a contenders team and look at them now as a contender team. Yeah, it, they're they're not just a they're not just a team from contenders anymore. They're actually starting to fight with the league, and they deserve their spot here. Okay, Kevin, tell us about the Shock versus the Fusion because I was going to watch that one, but then I heard about it and I'm like. Oh, this is kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, th- this was a really funny match to go into. I'm I'm a big guy of uh you know sitting on Twitter and uh, listening to a little bit of potential beef uh, that that is thrown around between teams before they go into the match. Um, 
There was one I remember. Um, let's see. It was one of the players on uh on the fusion who said, um, "Our goal here is we're gonna block the shock. Don't allow them to play right." And um, the San Francisco Shock said the only way the fusion are gonna block the shock, and it just shows uh, the Philadelphia Fusion blocked their uh, Twitter page. <laughs> And uh, it's like, yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna go in and do this. So, um, yeah, when they this I was saw on Twitter, they a, said, "Play chips and you'll win," something yeah. like that. Um, it was a uh, battle for first. Uh, whoever whoever gets this, you know, really solidifies their record. Um, and it was, it was just a, it was something else. It was just a lot of really good plays coming out from uh, the shock in general, like, um. They said, you know, we may have lost Architect, but Ons is doing such a good job on on Widow and him plus Striker create like so much havoc on a lot of maps because Striker's playing Tracer. He's already in your backline harassing you, making you re-rotate. But if you rotate out in the open, uh Ons is already there with a headshot. So it forced like the Philadelphia Fusion to play at a tempo that wasn't necessarily always fast but wasn't always necessarily slow so like the shock would rush them once and then the fusion will be like okay yeah they're just gonna run out of us so don't worry about it and then they'd play it slow after they have a point they'll back up a little bit and they'll just say like you know what now you have to play into Anz's angles so <laughs> uh it, it was a little bit of like push super hard then wait for Anz to get a pick and then push super hard it just threw off the whole tempo that the fusion wanted to play um and yeah it was it was pretty it was pretty one-sided and if anything this shows how good like both these teams are like i i I wouldn't say that it's like straight up like you know sf shock just like completely rolled them there was a couple of times where you know the fusion with carpe was able to just get a really solid pick and the fusion were able to push in but um Overall, the shocks teamwork and coordination is just—it's up there. Um, there was a tweet I think by Super afterwards, um, looking at like the the score of like where they placed um, in the Overwatch League standings, like in general. And they're like, "Dude, imagine getting swept like zero and three and still having a better standing than us. Like this is some bullshit." <laughs> and it's really funny because like the. Uh, Fusion had like a one, one game like what is it? One extra win under their belt because they played a lot more during the quarantine uh, than the shock. So they're like, "Don't worry, we'll just claw our way back. We'll just take the summer tournament and take first. And so, you know, the shock are feeling a little confident going into this. Um, I'm glad. You know, you want your players to feel good about themselves when they're going in. Um, but yeah, let's just see if they can repeat that uh, going into the actual tournament. So what do you think this does to the fusion's mindset going into this, into uh, the the actual bracket? I feel like for sure they're not gonna think that they're the top dogs, right? Like they they were going in and they were just like, you know what, like this is fine, whatever. But like now that they realize how good the shock are, even without Sinatra and even without like Architect and a whole bunch of other really really good players, honestly. Um, they're starting to like think about it a little bit. They have a little bit of time to 
figure out what they want to do going into the going into the next half. But uh, yeah, let's just hope that you know Philly finds a way. Um, if a team is going to do it, it's got to be Philly, Philly in general. Um, I also like I'm going to mention this in passing, but Hisu is solid on the on the fusion, but I feel like their lack of EQO is there's just like some maps where you're just like, I wish, you know, you had EQO in versus Hisu, but Hisu, he does deliver. It's just that he's not as experienced against the shock um, compared to, you know, someone like EQO. Right. Who do you think like right now? I think we can all agree that the top two teams in the league are, San Francisco Shock and the uh, Shanghai Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, if and when these two teams are going to go head to head, who's coming out on top and how close is it? It's definitely a three-two. Uh, <laughs> it's a three-two, playing seven maps, tying up both the uh, the two CP and the uh, and the hybrid map. Uh, so this is as close as it's possibly going to get. Yeah, I honestly think so because the thing is the dragons play in a way where it's very methodical, thought out, and they push like really aggressively and they get the kills when they need to. But the shock have like some weird form of coordination, which they're able to like really adjust and flow to what the other team is. Um so yeah, I feel like it is gonna be like it is gonna be a battle of the Titans, uh not the not the Vancouver Titans, but like the actual, you know, like a titanic struggle yeah exactly it's gonna be good um if we actually see these two teams go head to head it will be you know there will be blood it'll be a good one (laughs) who do you who do you have winning that i I think i have my money on the uh the shock for that one if that happens i i am a fan of the shock and i think that they would take it but at the same time like you never know what the dragons could actually pull out, but mm-hmm. um, I feel like the shock with Krusty, especially with Krusty, um, they study the other team really well before they go in. So I, I have to give it to a, to the Bay Area boys. <laughs> the Bay Area boys. Oh, one thing that I forgot to point out with the uh, the shock, not the shock, the uh, the mayhem versus the Outlaws thing was. I don't know if this was intentional, um, but on um, if you watch Junker Town, Dante started doing this thing where he would throw the, uh, the 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 pulse bomb onto the floor, and then everyone would get halted into it, and that's how they would get the multi kills. Um, and the way that the the desk was talking about this was that by doing that, like no one is alerted that they're they're stuck. So if if you're going for that Baptiste, they're they're not going to they're not going to throw down the uh, immortality field to keep everybody alive. So, uh, and the thing is, like, he didn't. I kind of feel like that was an accident that he did that just happened to work out very well a lot of times because he stopped doing it later on in the um, throughout the rounds. But like, what do you think of that as a strategy? I, I honestly think that's like really solid. Like, it it's the same way how teams would, you know halt before uh barrage too um it's the same element of surprise and without the icon of the stick right um 
whoever the healer is or whoever gets stuck there's no um there's no moment to react the moment that the pull comes through so it's just really solid um really innovative play coming out from the outlaws okay so looking at how the um we don't have the hero pool this week and we're not going to have it next week but looking at how these teams are playing um just from what I've seen, it it looks pretty set in that they're going to be running, at least in my head, the double shield with the Orisa Sigma. Um, Brig and Baptiste seem to be very heavily favored as the supports just because of the utility that they have. Um, currently, we, Brig is still probably going to have that um, the armor for, unless they change it for the league, she's still going to have the armor available. Um, Baptiste also has the uh, immortality field to keep everybody alive. And then for uh, DPS, it looks like it's going to be a lot of Tracer Ash play is what I've been seeing throughout. Yeah, and it really is solid. Like that, that team lineup is very active, very coordinated if used correctly. So, um, yeah, I'm just really excited to see what the teams pull out. Okay, so looking at the first day of the um, the Summer Showdown, for the West, or uh, not the West Coast, for the um, American League, we've got the Dallas Fuel versus the Paris Eternal. Well, this is starting Friday at noon West Coast time. So you've got the Dallas Fuel facing against the Paris Eternal, um, Houston Outlaws against the Mayhem again, the Toronto Defiant versus the LA Valiant, and the Washington Justice versus the Gladiators. Uh, so for these matchups, who do you have winning, Kevin? Uh... I think Paris is going to beat the Fuel. Um, I don't think Agreed. Decay is going to be able to be enough to take out Sparkle there. Um, the Outlaws versus the Mayhem. Um, I mean, it's going to be close. This we, was a close saw... one this week. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like, honestly, this is going to be the one to watch just because we know what happened last week. And if we'll see if the, the Mayhem can respond to what Houston put out. Um, so that, that'll be, that'll be something to look out for. Um, Do you think it was smart for the mayhem to choose to go against the outlaws again? Is that, was that a good pick on their part? Uh, that That's a tough one. In my opinion, I think the Florida mayhem picking the outlaws, it means that they're able to review the tapes and kind of learn from them. But at the same time, Houston has that advantage as well. So, right. Uh, it's and kind Houston of a, could easily have won this too. That last week. Yeah. So I feel like, it's a little too close, um, but you know maybe the Florida Mayhem said, you know what, maybe we can uh, maybe we can take it out. Um, yeah, the next one's the Toronto Defiant versus the Valiant. Um, it's kind of a weird mix for me. I think the Valiant are just more consistent as a team uh, compared to the Defiant, so I'm leaning more uh, Valiant there. And then the Justice versus uh, the Gladiators. Uh, I really, I really don't know when it comes down to these two teams. I'm just gonna say Gladiators because of LA Pride, um, but also like the Gladiators are able to really, they're able to shine when it counts. They're one of those mm-hmm. teams. All right, moving into the Asian division on Saturday, starting at 1 a.m. Pacific time, uh, it's the Chengdu Hunters versus the Guangzhou Charge. Soul Dynasty versus the London Spitfire, the Hangzhou Spark versus the NYXL, 
and someone is going to face against the dragons. It's a TBD right now. Um, yeah. For uh, who are you pulling for for the Asian division? Um. Yeah. So Friday's games are really, yeah, interesting. Okay. So between the Spitfire and the Dynasty, I feel like that's gonna be one that's gonna be really interesting to watch because literally the Dynasty are the old Spitfire and Spitfire are just like a bunch of brand new peeps. So I feel like that's going to be a really close one. Uh, I have the charge taking versus the the hunters and then NYXL over the spark. Um, but, you know, once again, the NYXL just have to be able to close these out going into, you know, the semifinals and finals, um, which happens all next week, by the way, like we're, we're starting on Friday with the, the knockout rounds on a, in North America, and then Fourth of July, uh, we have more games, and then July fifth is the finals for both days. So just get ready for oh, those. Yeah, it's Independence Day on Saturday next week. Yeah, this, week, this upcoming. Yeah, this upcoming week is Fourth uh, of July. Yeah, um, it's gonna feel kind of weird not going to be not being able to hang out with friends on Fourth of July. That's something that like. I kind of have a tradition of inviting over all of my gaming friends and we, we all hang out, you know, cook some burgers, uh, play smash and, uh, any other card games that I happen to have lying around. Yeah. And then, yeah. So the, the whole Rona thing is making everything kind of, kind of weird, but I feel like there's something that like my friends want to do. Like we want to get a full like game together. We're thinking either raft or, uh, or like don't starve or something like that and we all just play we all stream on fourth of july together um kind of just keep the art you uh team alive that way yeah, that's a good plan i know over here like a lot of people are mad because a lot of the fireworks displays are being canceled but i mean honestly if you if you're not someone who goes and watches them live in the first place just like turn on your tv or youtube and throw on like an old broadcast of the fourth of july macy's fireworks spectacular i mean like can you really tell the difference between the years of the fireworks exactly just, They're just uh, colorful booms in the sky exactly if, if you if you want to like enjoy anime fireworks there's a there's a movie called hanabi which i don't recommend but like it it's got fireworks uh but yeah honestly like there's a lot of things that you could do for fourth of july just uh if you if you're feeling lonely, hit up a friend. Just say, you know what? Let's just play a game, hang out. That's just the way to go, especially during you know lockdown, Fourth of July. Um, yeah, go ahead. Look at look up some fireworks uh, or explode some people. Uh, that works too. Uh, just online only, like not in real life. But you know, <laughs> um, I mean, if you're looking for a real fireworks display, just watch anybody play Borderlands Three. Like. <laughs> You're gonna get explosions left and right, and that's that's the way to go. Anything else we want to talk about? Mm, nope, I think I think that's about it. Uh, other than that, yeah, just get ready for that uh, summer showdown tournament uh, happening this weekend. We're looking forward to see who's gonna take what spot. There's a there's a lot to really look forward to. Um, so yeah, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, and hopefully it's going to be as crazy and unpredictable as the May Melee, but uh, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys, and we will, yeah, we'll see you next week.
Next week, we watch the Summer Showdown matches and cover any news coming from the league. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.